chapter 5. Amen. Thank you, Jim. And uh, this morning, uh, you know, we've, I've had a great time studying through these, um, these Beatitudes. And uh, the word Beatitude is, a, is taken from the Latin. It just means the blessings. And, uh, and I think part of it is because the context of that Jesus preached a radical message and that what he was saying wasn't what everybody else was saying. It wasn't what the Pharisees were saying. It wasn't what the scribes were saying. It was not what the, what the priests were saying in the temple. I mean, his message was like totally, absolutely a very radical message for the people. And he's got this massive crowd of people that are with him, and he separates himself and goes up on some type of a mount here where they can, they can hear him. Supposedly, I've not been there, but uh, the people that have been there have told me that there's this place where it's like natural acoustics, and when he would have gone up there without a PA system, they would have been able to hear his voice all through the valley. And, uh, you know, he says things that we've probably, those of us who have been around the church environment for a while have probably all heard before, never really gave him much thought because, you know, things like, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, um, you know, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But, you know, as we dig into each of these, and of course, if you've been with me through this, this study as we've been doing it, that there's a lot more depth to this than just the surface idea that's being laid out here. One is, is that remember that while Jesus is saying all this, he's talking to people that uh, many of them have been, have been trained up in the Jewish religion, and so they have some con concept of, you know, the Psalms. They would have had some concept of the Proverbs. They would have of the prophets, of the, of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So they would have had a context for some of the things that he was saying uh, in the way that he brought them out. Um, when we get to verse 5, he makes a really powerful statement in chapter 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to take some time this morning and just break this down a little bit. First of all, let me say that meekness is not weakness. A lot of times we think about, you know, being meek. John Wesley wrote a song, or John Wesley wrote a song about see Jesus meek and mild. You know, so people get an idea that like he was very frail. I don't think Jesus was that way at all. First of all, the life that they lived was very rough, okay? It was a hard life. They walked everywhere. Um, you know, they didn't eat a lot. They didn't, were not gluttons. They couldn't be because of the very lifestyle that they had to live. So, I mean, they lived a very rough life. A lot of times slept outside uh, under the stars, you know, in the garden, uh, different places. Um, you know, the things that they dealt with, they, um, I mean, like I said, it just isn't like this, this meek, mild Jesus that we might conceptually think about because the word meekness here has nothing to do with weakness. Actually, the word meekness here, if you look at it in the, um, in the Greek language, um, it means 
uh, it's used in the context of a horse that is broken, a stallion, this powerful stallion that has been broken so that you can ride it, okay? Uh, in the Latin, they use the same concept word with it uh, when they use the word, when they, the, the Latin description of meekness, which meant that an outstretched hand. Now, if you know anything about animals, you know, if you, especially horses, horses probably spook faster than any animal. That, I mean, they just, they, they, they're very cautious, you know, uh, horses are. We have one on the farm there. And when the horse first came to the farm, if you put your hand out towards, he, that horse is going to back up because it doesn't know what you're going to do. It has to be broken to you to trust you, okay? So the word meekness means an outstretched hand. And what that is a reference to is, is that how that this trust level that is created between the one who is breaking the animal and the animal, all right? Now, take that into the context of this word meekness that's being used in this passage. Jesus said, you're blessed, you're happy, you're fortunate, you're, you're highly favored if you're meek, all right, if you're meek. And so I want to know, well, why? What does that mean for you and I? Well, one, because everybody that's here has the ability to do whatever they want to do. You could do anything you want. You don't have to obey God. You don't have to. You don't have to do what the Word says to do. You don't have to. There's, no, there's nobody, I mean, people could try to make you do something, obviously, but in and of yourself, even though they might make you do it on the outside, still on the inside, they're not making you do it, all right? So we can't make you tithe. We can't make you go to church. We can't make you be loving. We can't make you do any of those things. All of those things can only happen in our lives through meekness, through meekness. And that is that you and I have a, we have allowed ourselves to be broken to trust God. So, well, I trust God, preacher. What are you talking? Well, okay, that's great. We, and that's easy to say, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm trusting. I think with their, you know, I'm waiting on God. I believe all those little things that we say, but then we do all kinds of weird stuff while we're saying all of that, like worry. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good now. You know, or we try to make our, create our own solutions to our problems. Instead of, you know, we're saying we're waiting on, oh, I'm, I think we sing a song that says, I am waiting on, I am waiting on God. Okay, well, what are you doing while you're waiting on God? Because my Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord, they're getting stronger, they're not getting weaker, right? So, when we talk about meekness, the, the idea that tends to come is that somehow that we're weaker, that, we, that we're weak. That, but this goes back to the whole idea of what we've been talking about all along, and that's about calibration. See, I have to believe, one, that I need help to get calibrated the right way. You know, to get, to get the right settings in my life, I need help. I cannot do that. I can't see everything. I can't see everything I'm doing wrong. I can't see all of the, you know, all of, you remember, uh, I'll tell you, uh, maybe a great example of this is when you did driver's training. You remember doing driver's training? All right, so you go through, now I know it's changed a lot uh, through the years, but when we, 
We had to do like classroom setting where you sat in a trailer that had a pretend car in it. You sat behind the wheel and there was a screen in front of it. Did anybody have to do that? I, I don't know if they did that in Michigan, but in Ohio, you had to do that. So every, all, if you're taking driver's training, you got before they even let you get behind a wheel of a car, a simulator, thank you. You had to go through the simulation. So you're sitting in there and, you know, somebody walks out in front of you and did you put the brake on? And you'd be surprised how many people didn't put the brake on. You're going to turn, you know, it says make a right turn and they didn't turn the blinker on. So what happens? You get warnings, right? And better to do it in a simulator than you ran somebody over. Can I get at least one good amen out of you? All right. So after you've gone through the simulator, then you had to pass the written test. So you pass the written test. This is in Ohio now. I don't know about Michigan's law rules, but we had to pass a written test, and that's to ask you a bunch of questions. And I had a friend that actually flunked the written test because he, you know, he just thought he had it all figured out. So he flunked it and had to take it over again. And, and, uh, you know, and, and then after you pass the written test, you actually get to start going through the driving training thing, which is really uh, with other students, and they actually, the driving driver's training guy, he doesn't just surrender the vehicle to you. He has a brake on his side of the floor, her side of the floor. I still, when I was training my kids how to drive, I prayed to God. I wished I had that brake on my side of the, you know, that I could just, Jayla's getting ready to take driver's training, and I'm just like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm just, it's just like calling the intercessors to prayer, okay? So, Anyways, you know, we, 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 he had that break on that side. And, you know, you're thinking, well, it's a piece of cake. You know, well, my dad let me drive when I was little. I got behind the wheel, you know, and it's no big deal. And, and uh, you know, I, 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 I won't have any problems. But see, that driver's training guy, he's sitting there. What's he doing the whole time? Get your hands at 10 and 2. You flunked. 10 and 2. Get him in the right spots. You know, did you, like you get in the vehicle, do you, do you all remember this? You get in the vehicle, there are things, if you didn't do it before you even turn the ignition, they would stop you. And you didn't sit there and go, oh, 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 stop picking on me, stop telling, what are they trying to do? They're trying to save your life and everybody around you's life. So what's the first thing they tell you when you get in? Put your seatbelt on, right? Check your mirror. So you check your mirrors. You get every mirror where it needs to be. Get your seat in the right position. Get everything in place. Then they say, okay, now you can start the vehicle. So what's happening in this process is you have to be meek to learn. No meekness, no learning. You could sit there and go, well, that's not the way I heard it. I heard what you do is you get in, and this is what you do first. And I heard that, well, I read a book that said, well, if you want to do it, you got to do it this way. Well, I read this one scholar said, well, it doesn't matter, because if you want to learn, you have to stop what you think and say, okay, I just want to learn, so I'm going to do it whatever way you tell me to do it. That's meekness. 
Now, if you caught our program this morning when we were talking about calibration, Dr. Barclay and I, we talked about how that when he would do training with the, with the guys that were shooting, the snipers, and he did sniper training, that, you know, he might kick a guy for doing the wrong thing. And, he, you know, say, look, I told you, get your elbow in. I told you to do this. He, but he never jumped on, you know, we always instruct, then we correct, then we rebuke. So, amen. So you go through instruction, then you get correction, and correction's a good thing. And if you need it, then you get rebuked, and rebuke is a good thing. And rebuke typically has to do more with your attitude than your technique. See, when God rebukes you, when God rebukes you, it's not because of your technique, it's because of your attitude. Because you are purposely doing things your way without listening to Him. Hallelujah. Meekness. We talk about getting calibrated, getting on the right track, getting things the, in the right techniques, getting things the right attitude. You know, the Bible says, and this is so powerful the way God says it, Isaiah chapter 1, he says, if you're willing and obedient, so not only is he saying you've got to have the right technique, you've got to have the right attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you need the right attitude. And the right technique. There's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. Amen. And so when we're learning, when we're in an atmosphere of learning, now, now here's a great passage that will, that will help you with this, and then we'll look at some examples of this. I want you to go with me to James chapter, James chapter 1. <laughs> James chapter 1. Thank you. James chapter 1, and I want us to look at um, verse uh, 21. Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. Now, some of you will have the, have the word gentleness there. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To save your souls. So I want you to see here that how this word meekness applies into this, this, the context of learning and growth in our lives. That we, to grow, have to receive the word with meekness. With meekness. And what that means is sometimes for us, is, is that it, it means that we receive it from God, we receive it from the Scriptures, even though somebody else told us something different. See, when I, when I first became a Christian, I mean, I was really growing, I was reading my Bible, I was, I was reading 10 chapters a day, I mean, I was like... I'm talking about now when I really got serious about, I mean, I've putzed around with church for years, but when I got really serious, I wanted to grow. And when I went into this growth process with the Lord of just surrendering myself to, to, to grow and to know God better, I had certain ideas that I had adopted in my life that were blocking me from receiving everything God wanted to do in my life. 
One was, I didn't believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit had to happen. I didn't believe that. I didn't believe in healing. I didn't believe in prosperity. I believed in salvation. I believed in renewing my, I'd say all the right things, renew my mind. I remember watching Pat Robertson back in the day when Ben Kinchlow, anybody remember back then? And, uh, you know, they're on TV and, and they're praying for people and they're having words of knowledge for people and calling out things and they're telling testimonies of people that are healed miraculously through their show and the ministry that they have. And I'm listening to all of that. And, and while I'm hearing, and then they start speaking it, this was back when they would start speaking in tongues right on TV. And I was like, well, I will never do that because I just don't believe that uh, I have to do that. I don't think, I don't think God, I don't think this, I think that's passed away. Now, where did I come up with that at? Somebody told me that. I learned that in church, that it passed away. I learned from Christians there was no healing. I didn't learn that from sinners. I learned that from Christian people. They told me, well, God doesn't heal anymore. I learned from Christians that you have to take a vow of poverty and live poor all your life. I learned that from... Are you all here? I mean, that's just the way it was. I, I, you know, I, I, I learned from Christians that there were no demons anymore. Wasn't, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the sinners that were telling me all of this. It was the Christians. I'm not criticizing people. I'm just saying that's what I learned. So I came into my faith with God with pre-ideas pre that I brought into it. Some of you did too, like me. And you know what you have found out since then? You were wrong about all of it. You were wrong. If we would have had meekness, we would have come in saying, Lord, what do you want? Instead of coming in saying, this is how it will be. This is how it will be. It would be a place of complete surrender where I'm saying, Lord, listen, not what I want. I want, see, when we read the Bible, it's like we talked about every day going to zero when we open our Bible so that we're being able to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Because, see, when we come in and we have already decided what the Bible says, then we're not going to be open to hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us. We're already established that we're saying, well, no, that's, I, I remember um, Tammy, gosh, you know, T, uh, Tammy Hall, when she came here to the church, she was raised in a certain denomination, and when she came here to the church, she believed in God, and she was a, she was a but man, she was bound up by devils. I mean, she was bound up. She was on like 11 different depression, anxiety medications. I think she took some to get her up and some to get her down. And I mean, she was bound. I mean, she was like, and I'm not saying everybody with anxiety has demons, but she definitely was bound up from all this stuff. And when we would talk with her about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we would talk to her about healing, she would say, well, the church I grew up in, this is what I was told. And we said, well, what you were told is wrong. Now we'll find out how meek somebody is. See, because we don't like anybody to mess with our pet doctrine. Right? We say, Tammy, that's wrong. And she had decided she was going to get baptized here at the church. She says, well, I'm going to commit completely and surrender. And I think Chuck was back there, and he was praying, and he started dealing with these devils before she got baptized. And, I mean, she was like, he was losing it, I mean, right before her baptism. 
And she came out to get baptized, and I'm not kidding. She was at the top of the stairs. Lauren Ward was down in the tank, and she passed out while she was standing there. Fell face first. And Lauren, being the great, wonderful guy that he is, he just stood there and looked at her at the bottom of the pool. I said, Lauren, get her up. Get her up out of there. I mean, she was like laying at the bottom of the, and that's a deep baptistry up there. She's laying in the bottom of it. But here's the, here's the thing. She was being delivered from these demonic things in her life. You know, I don't know how they all got there. It doesn't matter how they all got there. We don't need the story of how demons got control in somebody's life. What we need is the victory testimony they've been set free. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't need to know how bad your sin was to believe that God is an awesome, miracle-working God. So she comes up out of the water, and from that point on in her life, I would say from that day on, her life started changing. Now, she was here. I mean, this is a woman that constantly had to rely on the church to fund her, had to constantly rely on the government to take care of her financially, to take care of her family. She went from living in dumps. I mean dumps. They were homes that were dumps. And uh, drafty and nasty and mildewy and moldy and, I mean, just terrible and never had enough food, never could buy clothes, couldn't do. Today, that woman is set free. She comes back every once in a while. You, you wouldn't even hardly recognize her unless you knew her. She's lost, I think she's lost close to 60, 50, 60 pounds. She um, is totally off every single medication that she was on. Every She has no anxiety, no depression. She's a partner. If you study the Bible with me, she's one of our partners in the Bible reading. She'll, make, she'll post things on there. And she's making, she told me, she's making six figures a year right now. Now, when I looked at her, if you'd have looked at her then, you'd have said, I don't ever see, I don't see how that, but here's what had to happen. She had to get meek. She used to say all the time, well, you know, I was taught in church. I don't care what you were taught in church. See, when you go to the Bible and you're like, well, you know, I know that's what God said, but you know, God, and this is how people do with the scriptures today. Well, God said forgive, but you know, did he really mean forgive? Well, that's kind of what he said. Well, yeah, but, you know, but, he, but my circumstances are a little bit different. I mean, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the stuff I've had to deal with. So, you know, I mean, come on, did God really? I mean, should I really give tithes and offerings? I mean, come on, look, that's Old Testament. Well, it's in the New Testament, but, I, but it's still Old Testament, and should I really do that? Because, you know, God understands I got to go to McDonald's a couple times a week. I need that money. God understands, you know, that that uh, I only have I only have a certain income. God understand. Look, all of that. God said what He said, regardless of your circumstances. Now get that. I want to say get that through our thick heads, but we got to get that through our thick heads that God did not have to ask your permission to say what He said nor does he contextually change what he meant because of your circumstances. Boy, pastor, that's awesome. Amen. All right, so meekness. <laughs> Blessed are you if you're meek. Why? Because you're teachable. 
Blessed are you when you're meek because you're going to inherit the earth. Now, why did he say it like that? To inherit the earth. Because everything that you're going to receive in this earth right now naturally is in the earth. For example, God is not creating wealth in heaven to give to you here on earth. He doesn't have a dollar bill machine in heaven. Right? The gold that's in heaven is in heaven. It's not here. What you need is here. You want the thing, amen. What you need is here. Your health is here. Amen. Your peace is, is here. It, get it, you inherit the earth. It's not just talking about earth like you would think of like land. It's talking about the things that you need in your life. They all come through meekness. Hallelujah. They all come through meekness. So, how do you and I, how do we walk in the meekness that we need? Because we're blessed if we are meek and if we're surrendered and if we're humble to the word, how do we, how do we get ourselves into that place? You know, it's interesting. Um, Jesus talked about that we were to come to him, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And it says, he goes on and he talks about, because he says, I am meek, I am gentle of spirit. I am gentle of spirit. I am meek towards my people. I am meek towards you and your life. Meaning what the Lord is saying to us is that if that is my nature, then that should be your nature as well, that you should have that same meekness. I want you to look with me in the Old Testament real quick if you would, to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers 12. This is really awesome. Numbers chapter 12 and uh, verse 1, okay? Now, in Numbers 12, 1, it says that, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. <laughs> All right, so they said, now watch this, isn't this interesting? So their issue was with the Ethiopian woman, but that really wasn't what their issue was. Because then it says, so they said, well, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And the, now the man Moses was very humble or very meek, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. and. Of course, God comes out and deals with Miriam and Aaron. And I want to just, I, I want to make a point with this because I think it's just, this is really important for us as Christians. What they said was right. God speaks to everybody. But there is a difference when God gives someone an assignment. See, what God's aggravated about in this story is, is that Moses and Aaron are trying to take the assignment that God gave to Moses. So their problem isn't really with Moses. Their problem really is with God. Really had nothing to do with the Ethiopian. That was just a, look, if you want to find a fault in the leader, you'll find a fault in the leader. I love my pastor. He's awesome, man. He's a great man of God. But, he, but I, look, if you, if you hang out with him, if, because I've had the opportunity to, you get, you, everybody's got a dark side. I'll just leave it at that. 
Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking to you right now. <laughs> oh, everybody does. Come on. Oh, man, I would want, listen, I would not want my wife to come to this pulpit and tell about my dark side. Oh, my gosh. You'd leave the church <laughs> or run me out. Everybody does. See, if you want to find fault with someone, it's not, no matter who they are as a leader, you can find fault with them. What, Moses, what Aaron, Miriam and Aaron, look, God had spoken through Miriam and he had spoken through Aaron. The, the problem they're having here is they're mad about the assignment. And they're trying to do what's called usurp an assignment. To usurp an assignment means that you're trying to take what God has given to someone else on your own effort. That is not meekness. Moses didn't even fight with them. He just stopped. In fact, in a minute, he's about to lay down on the ground. He's like, man, I respect the presence of God. You guys have gotten into something you're not, you shouldn't have gotten into. This wasn't yours to get into. And so Moses like gets out of the picture completely, lays on the ground, and he begins to pray for them. You talk about meekness. He's praying for people that have now been adversaries to him. And God deals with Miriam and Aaron. And, you know, you could look at this and go, man, that's an awfully harsh judgment just because they had problems with the woman he married. But that wasn't what the problem was. Let me just give you, with this, in context with this, don't try to take someone else's assignment. And don't judge someone else's assignment. That's not your place. I'll give you another passage just to back that up. When you look in the New Testament in John, the last chapter, I want you to, you know, here's, here's John and Peter and Jesus, and Jesus is talking to Peter and and. Peter looks over at him and goes, because John is there, and he says, he tells Peter what he wants him to do, and what's Peter say? Well, what about John? What about John? And the Lord responds back to him. Listen, that's not, basically what he says is, mind your own business, Peter, head of the church. Mind your own business, and then he finishes this by saying, follow me. You just take care of Peter and follow me, and don't worry about John. I'll deal with John. Amen. So see, don't ever try to intrude into another man. I, you know, when I serve my when I and I still do, when my pastor's in the room, he's, he's in charge. Could I take charge? Absolutely. Even in this house where I'm the lead pastor, if, but when he's here, I am meek. I am yielded to his authority over my life. Not in some kind of weird, do whatever he says to do, even if it's wrong idea. No, he is, he is my leader. He is my pastor. He's the bishop of my soul. He is the one, according to the scriptures, whether you believe this or not, that the Bible says that your pastor will give an account to Jesus for you. What do you want your pastor to say to Jesus whenever he gives an account for you? Where is that in the Bible? Oh, you'll just come back another time, I'll tell you. Yeah. But, 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 but here's, listen. When he's in the room, I'm totally, I don't, I'm, whatever. That's why I'm blessed. 
That's why he's blessed. See, that's what meekness does. Meekness doesn't say, well, I got something to say. Nobody listens to me. Well, I know just as much as she does or he does. See, all of that is rooted into something that is ungodly. Listen to this. This is really cool. This is out of the, this is out of the message Bible of this verse and, and where Jesus said, blessed are the meek. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can be bought. See, when, and, and I'm not saying that you're satisfied with your sin. Don't take that from that. But what I'm saying is, is that, look, you're not like looking at other people. See, that's envy. And that's evil. Well, I wish I was that. I wish I had that position. I wish I could be that person. I wish I had a TV. You know, I've done all that. Look, I'm going to, I've thought all those. I wish I wrote a bunch of books. I wish I, you know, but I didn't. I just need to be me. The giftings and calling that God put in my life. Amen. May we have an envy-free church. Amen. Envy, envy ruined Cain. It ruined him. But it wasn't just envy. Look, it wasn't just envy about the sacrifice. It, he was envious. Uh, he, he just wasn't envious at Abel. He was mad at God because God received what Abel did. God would have received what Cain did if Cain would have had the right attitude, but he wasn't meek about it. He wasn't teachable. He was just stubborn. And, and let, me, let, me, let me give you this thought. Which is harder to do, to be meek or to be stubborn? That was my first thought, but it's actually harder to be meek. It takes more guts. Look at Moses' deal. Could Moses have said, shame on you guys for saying that stuff about me? You know, you should, you, you know I should call the judgment of God down on both of you for what you just said calling out me as a man of God. Don't you know you are all stuck in Egypt and God used me to bring you guys out and look how you're treating me? Which is harder? To stand up for your own rights or to be meek and let it go and let God deal with it? Oh, that's so hard, isn't it? Oh, man. Go to Psalm 37 with me. Oh, I hope we have enough time to do all this. So Psalm 37, and this is where Jesus takes the whole idea of meekness from, that the meek will inherit the earth. But I want you to, I want you to see this in verse 9. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And he goes back on and he says, For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you shall look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of of peace. Now, that's so powerful, isn't it, man? Putting that, you know, just God's, it's all going to work out. God's going to take care of us. God's going to be with us. But I want you to see if you got to look at the verses, because you're going to know these verses that are before this a lot more than you probably know these verses. Go up to verse three in chapter 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you 
the desires of your heart. You know, people go around saying, well, God gives us the desires of our heart. Yeah, if you're delighting yourself in him. Don't take things out of context. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. He'll bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as a noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath, and do not fret. It only causes harm. Then he goes on and says that if you're meek, you'll inherit the earth. What did he tell us? Trust, delight, commit, rest, and cease. You know, we live in a time right now where we feel that we have to justify our politics. We got to make sure everybody knows what we feel. Do you know how little I talk? There are certain things I'll talk about, but do you know how little I talk about politics? I've had people in the church say, well, you need to talk more about what you believe in politics. Let me tell you what I believe about politics. Politics is man's system, not God's system. Even though I'm in the earth, I'm not of the earth, but I still operate according to the principles that are in the earth. I vote every election, and I pray, and I ask God for direction about how to vote. I'm not telling you how I vote. I'm not standing in the pulpit. I don't care about the IRS thing or whether they'll take our tax. I don't care about any of that. Why I don't talk about it is because it's not any of your business. And I'm not going to tell you how I vote because I want you to get on your knees and I want you to pray and I want you to talk to God and then vote according to your conscience. Can you say amen? amen? I'm not getting involved in every Facebook shenanigan that goes on. I have good friends that do that. And I'm not, look, if you do that, that's your business. All right? That's between, that's between you and your God. But I'm just saying that as for me, I don't get involved in all the, non, the craziness that's on there. And the reason that I don't do it is, one, because I'm praying and talking to the higher power, the one who really is an authority, the one who can, can raise up and, and knock down pretty quick. Look, you, I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't want to, but, you know, we're going into political season, and, man, it's all, we all got to say our thing, and we all got to, and, look, I get all of that, but if you're doing it so that you can make a point to people about how spiritual you are, knock it off. Because you are a sinner saved by grace. Amen. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, you are lost and in hell. Amen. Be careful about casting stones. They always have a way of coming back on you. Hallelujah. The best thing we can do as believers is trust, delight, commit, rest, and stop the nonsense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, that's good preaching. Wow. You know, I, I'm a firm believer. My, uh, my pastor before Dr. Barkley was John Osteen, and he said, Gary, he told us once, told us a million times, if nobody was happy and nobody was mad at you during your sermon, you didn't have much of a meeting. We're here to afflict the comfort. 
we're here to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Amen. That's just the way it is. We should pray for those who are in leadership. Absolutely. I'd love to see a lot more on Facebook of pray for the president, pray for Congress, pray for our nation, pray for revival in the land. Amen. Hey, those things are powerful statements. I can get on board 100% with those things. Amen. Trust, delight, commit, rest, and cease. So I want to go to a passage in the Old Testament, and I'm going to have to stop. Genesis. And this is so good in Genesis because, um, you know, we talk about that this is a year of supernatural increase, and I believe that with all my heart, man. I, I really do. Um, I think some of you are living in a land of famine right now. Don't spend all your time looking at your famine. Start looking to the God who is the God of increase. I mean, you know, just do the principles that he taught in his word. Do the principles he taught in his word. You know, Dakota, I, I had to laugh because while you and Kara were up here, and I didn't say anything, but that whole thing you did during the offering, I was getting for you guys. Obviously, you know, picking up in the spirit, but, but I mean, it was the whole thing. That like, when you guys do the mission thing, don't think about just having enough to get by. Think about having an abundance of resources that are available to you guys. Amen? Not just enough that, I mean, I, I kept getting that, and then I'm thinking, dude, you were reading my mind. But see, when we, when we have supernatural increase in our lives, even though we may be surrounded by famine, and it may look like in our own lives right now, there's a famine. See, that's a distraction of the enemy. I'm telling you right now, that's, all that's trying to do is say to you, it ain't working, 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 it ain't working. It's not working. Look how bad it is. It's getting terrible. It's getting worse. It's going to get worser. Worser. I got to do some bad English, you know. Worser is better than wiener-ish. <laughs> now, you, listen, since, since you heard that word about supernatural increase this year, I can guarantee that there are some people here right now that you're looking at your finances going, we're in trouble. We're hurting. We're, how are we going to make it? It's never, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get where we need to go? And I'm going to tell you that God, listen, God is still God whether you're in famine or not. And God's principles still work whether you're in famine. And famine isn't just financially. Famine can be a famine in your health. Famine could be a famine in your family. It could be in all, on any level that you're dealing with famine and struggling and going, oh my goodness, it just looks like we're going down the tubes and nothing's working. But here's the thing that, listen, get this into your spirit. The word of the Lord doesn't come after things happen. It comes before things happen. God's telling you about this is where you can be. This is where you can be. Now, Isaac, he sows in a time of famine, has supernatural increase. All of it happens in the land of Gerar, this incredible thing that happens. Now, if you're doing the daily reading with me, you'd have just read this this last week. 
So I want you to see here that what happens with Isaac in chapter 26. Are you there yet? All right. So he prospers, verse 13, the man began to prosper, continued prospering, he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great number of servants, and the Philistines envied him, okay? Now go down to verse 17. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and he dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names which his father had called them. Are you with me? Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek. Now, remember here, the well was always there. It was recognized as always being there. The water was always there. The Philistines had jammed it up and covered it up. But Isaac knew where it was at, and so he went and he had his people dig out the well. As soon as he digs out the well, here come the shepherds of Gerar and say, that's our water. That's our water. You're stealing from us. Now, he had by right to fight with them over this. He could have fought with them over it. One, because his daddy dug the well. Two, because his guys undug the well. And because the water was always there and they never did anything with it. So he gets blessed and where, what happens? These guys show up and they're going to take the, try to take the blessing. So he just, what's he do? They're quarreling with him. Verse 21, so he left there and he dug another well. And they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. But here's where he, here's where he was, this is where meekness comes in. So he moved from there and he dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. And he called its name Rehoboth because he said, from, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. And then he built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. This is why Jesus told us to pray for those who despitefully use us. I mean, this is radical. Do you get it? This is not, look, this isn't just average Christian stuff. This is, bless those who curse you. Heap love on those who are scorching you with nastiness and evil. I mean, what's your first tendency? To fight back, right? That's what we all want to do. Somebody says something about me on Facebook or something I didn't like, I'm going to get in a fight with them over it. I'm going to argue with them. You say something I don't like, I'm going to say, you'd say something bad about me, I'm going to say something bad about you. But the way of the cross, the way of our Christ, the way of God, what does he tell us to do? Leave it and move on. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Because there's room out there. And when you're stuck fighting for something that some, when you're stuck fighting over something you shouldn't be, I'm not talking about fighting the devil. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about fighting with people. When you and I, we spend all our time fighting with people, we are not following the way of the cross. 
We are not. Now, at any point, did Isaac say he was wrong? No. What took more strength to do? Move on and dig another well? Or stay and fight for the well that he knew was his? Took a lot more strength to leave, didn't it? Just to walk away from it. Just to walk away. And that's exactly what he did. Because the greater blessing isn't there. The greater blessing is over here. And he said, look, God made room for us. And now he says, we will be fruitful and multiply. We'll be fruitful and multiply. I'm for thoroughly convinced if they had come in and they would have said, well, you know, that one's ours too. He had given that one to him too. He just walked away from it. He would have walked away from it. This is not an easy message. It's not. And you can't do it unless you and I have meekness in our life. To the engrafted word, the word of God, the implanted word that is able to save our soul. It's the only way we can do it. We can all say, well, I trust in the Lord. All right, well, let's see if your actions line up with that. Let's see if your sleep lines up with that. Let's see if your finances line up with trusting in the Lord. Let's see, oh, I'm committed to the Lord. Okay, well, let's see if your church attendance lines up with that. Let's see if your service in the kingdom lines up with that. Let's look at your prayer life. Look, I'm not casting stones. I'm just saying, you know, we're going to make these kinds of things. Let's back them up. Let's back them up. Now, the truth is, is, is that we just need to have a point of meekness in our lives to say, Lord, look, whatever you want, that's what I want. The only way that can happen in the believer's life, it's a decision, obviously, an attitude, but we need a, we need a lot of help. That's why we used to sing this song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. Now, here's where it begins. You know, it doesn't say, give me power. It says, melt me. Oh, melt me. Mold me. <laughs> Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Man, we would just be like, it, it goes on, melt me, mold me, fill me. Oh, there we go. Now I can live with that right there. Use me. Oh, yes, God. Oh, I want to be used by the Lord. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. God, fill me and use me. No, 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 wait. It doesn't happen until we get you melted down a little bit. That's meekness. Melt me. Mold me. You're the potter, I'm the clay, whatever you want, Lord God, however you made me. You know, I, I would love if I could sing, you know, just, I mean, I can sing, but if I could sing on key all the time, perfect pitch. I wish, you know, like Chuck, perfect pitch all the time. Just like, say, sing this song, Chuck, perfect pitch. He'll hit it right on the, hit the right note. You know, I would love that I had those kinds of abilities in my life, but I, but I don't. But it would be wrong of me to say, God, I can't be used by you unless you give me those abilities. 
unless you give me those abilities. Chuck and I, when we were in Rwanda, we had such a powerful move of the Holy Spirit while we were there because we each were trusting in the gifts that God had given to each of us. You know, I had a certain gifting. Chuck has certain giftings. And together we were gifted. But none of us was just gifted on our own. And, um, man, I mean, we, we had such powerful meetings in that, in, those, in that dark corner of Kigali where we were at. And, I mean, just incredible things that happened. And, uh, you know, Chuck has been, always has had, the, the, God has used him in the, the gift of discerning of spirits. He's been able to see in the spirit realm and see things. Um, I mean, you know, and I, I would think that would be cool, you know, to be able to do that. But I'm not going to sit around and say, well, God, I can't be used until I can discern spirits. Right? I mean, he gets to be the guy that sees the light come down from heaven. I don't see that. I don't see that. He gets to be the guy that sees the light comes down from heaven and angels standing around a guy and a guy miraculously healed. He sees all of this. He's telling me all about it. And I don't stand there and go, well, I didn't see it, so it must not be true. No, we, that's an assignment. You get it? This is my point. That's an assignment. Now, I could set all my days envious and say, well, God, why don't you use me like that? Well, God, that's not right that he gets to be used like that. I don't get to be. And God says, look, you have gifts in your life. Why aren't you using those? Why don't you get busy doing what you can do with your own hands and let me take care of the rest instead of sitting around worrying about, well, what about John? What about John? Well, you know, what what are you going to do with John, Lord? What are you going to do? What about him? I mean, come on. No, look. If we're meek, we say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, here I am. Here I am, Lord, use me. Take me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. Use me. Use me. Stand up with me if you would. Wow, how's that, man? My second hand stopped, went right to 12. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want you to close your eyes with me, if you would. Now, look, we're not, we're not here trying to make people feel guilty. I'm not, that it wouldn't be my intent at all. But if there is guilt, let me tell you this. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But the first place we have to get to is to deal with that before God and confess to ourselves and confess to him, you know, that, hey, God, I'm wrong. You're right. I'm done making excuses. I'm ready to receive the engrafted, implanted word that is able to save my soul. Every blessing that you want me to have is in this earth, Lord God. I'm ready to receive Excuse me. I'm ready to receive that blessing. But I know the only way that's going to happen is through meekness. So I surrender. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I surrender. I surrender all, I surrender all, 
All to Thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender all. To Him I freely give. Come on. And trust you in your presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Father, thank you for your patience with us. Lord, where we have not been meek, where we have not yielded to you, where we resisted you. God, thank you for being patient with us. May from this day forward be days of meekness to your word in our lives, Lord God. May we not be stubborn and haughty and envious, but may we, Lord God, be loving, submitted, yielded to you. Father, I thank you Lord, there is room. I sense that. There is a supernatural fruitfulness that you want in every believer's life, no matter what famine they're standing in the middle of right now. Lord, as they plant the seed in obedience to your word, you're going to do a supernatural increase in their life. And I thank you for that. I thank you. Mm, could you just lift your hands to heaven right now? Wow. I feel the presence, not that we're moved by all our feelings, but I feel His presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. We yield to you, Lord God, and we yield to your Holy Spirit. May what we yield to today, Lord God, flow out of our lives and everything we touch and do this week. Our time with you, our time with people, our time in labor, and our time in rest. And I thank you for it, Father God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bow your heads with me, if you would, just for a moment, please. Just We're almost finished this morning. You just bow your heads with me. I just want to ask this morning, look, if your life is not right with God, you know, God loves you so much that Jesus came into this world so you could have everlasting life. You're on God's heart today. You have been for a long time. And you might try to run from God, but you can never outrun God. You just are not going to be able to. There are people praying for you. There are people believing for you to receive the goodness and the grace that he has provided for you. 
wherever your life is today with God, if it's not right, if it's not in a right place, not in a good place today, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to do something for me. I'm just going to ask you just to simply raise your hand and let me know, Pastor, would you pray for me? Now, we're all going to pray together in just a few moments. But if you'd say today, my life is not right with God, Pastor Jolliffe. It is not. I'm not in a good place right now. But I want to get in that right place. And I'm just going to ask you right now, all over the building, if you say that's me, would you lift your hand up where I could see it? And uh, just thank you in the back. Is there anyone else that would say that's me today? I want to make things right with God today. I want to get in that right place with the Lord. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? We'll just wait just a moment all over the building. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Once you lift your hand, you can put it right back down, but I just need to be able to see that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, one is important. Amen. One is important. So let's all pray together. Pray with this person today. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I've tried and I can't. I need your help. So I turn away from sin and I turn to you. I come humbly needing your help and ready to receive. Thank you for your grace, for your forgiveness and your love to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Amen.